Good morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And it's time for a coffee break. Hello, and welcome to your coffee break, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about two well-known horror tropes that kind of mix together in a way. Like, they're very similar, but they're not quite the same, but they're very similar. Um, mm. We have the creepy child and the enfant terrible. So, oh, uh, I know. Fancy. Here I am doing more French. Yikes. Okay, so let's get this uh, coffee break started. So, like I said, technically we're talking about two different horror tropes in this coffee break episode, even though both of these tropes have sort of blended together over the years. Um, I'll still mention their true differences. So the creepy child trope, according to tvtropes.com, quote, looks sweet, innocent, even angelic, but there's something not quite right about them. They're too calm, too knowing. They aren't really children any longer. Not at heart. Children should wow. be innocent. I know. Children should be innocent and in need of adult protection. By inverting this, the trope arouses deep-rooted fears. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the creepy child might not be physically dangerous, but their profound unnaturalness is just as chilling, unquote. Now, the creepy child is quite often a little girl. Think Wednesday Adams from The Adams Family and Charlie from Hereditary or Lily from Mama. Mm. But it could easily be a little boy like Aiden from The Ring and Cole from The Sixth Sense and Sam from The Babadook. Ugh. So like TVTropes.com mentions, these children are not normally physically dangerous, nor are they the true threat in the story, though they could be antagonists in some way. They also aren't normally dead. <laughs> That would be more of the, like, ghost child trope. So, like, for example, the Grady twins from The Shining. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. So, like, those, the twins sort of have the same look and feel of a creepy child, but they're technically ghost children. So it's not mm -hmm. really the same thing. Usually the creepy child is alive and well. Maybe not well, but alive. <laughs> Um, definitely not well. <laughs> definitely not well. <laughs> Unwell, for sure. Um, speaking of wells, Samara ah! from The Ring. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> Samara from The Ring um, would probably be like a hybrid of the ghost child trope and the enfant terrible trope. So she's not a creepy child. 
but she is more of the ghost slash enfant terrible. And that's the thing. It's only when the child is a true threat to the heroes that they become the enfant terrible. Because the creepy child, like I mentioned before, those are all kids that are dealing with something maybe really scary or they're like Wednesday Adams. They're like the hero of the story, but like just a creepy kid, you know, like the creepiness mm -hmm. is like the heroic part of her because all of the quote unquote normies in the Adams family are like the bad guys. <laughs> yes. But the Enfant Terrible is like an evil child. So the Enfant Terrible is a French term that literally means terrible child and was originally used to describe children who acted out against authority. And they usually had, like, bad manners, acted naughty in public, and, like, physically hurt adults and other children. Mm. So when using this term in horror, it's much more than a child who is a bully. And I need to be clear when I say that this child is actually very dangerous. So the Enfant Terrible can be seen in, oh, movies like Children of the Corn. Where these children are literally <laughs> killing people. <laughs> There's also a movie called Who Would Kill a Child? And that has the Enfant Terrible in it. Um, the Brood. So a lot of these might be, maybe not Children of the Corn, but a lot of these movies with the Enfant Terrible might be kind of a spoiler, sorry. <laughs> but it's children who kill. Um, you know, so they're a threat in some way. So a lot of times the realization that the child is a villain, right, is a spoiler. But in films like The Good Son and The Omen and arguably, most famously, The Bad Seed, the entire plot revolves around the Enfant Terrible. So like we know, like we are in like the audience is in the main character's shoes where they know that the um they know that the child is evil but because it's a child nobody believes them yeah so according to tv tropes quote an infant terrible knows people think they're cute and will use that to their advantage uh when one person finds out said hero usually has a hard time convincing others who will turn on them for even suggesting such a thing about the poor, poor child, unquote. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. So, um, infant terribles are, you tr are truly dangerous and vicious at heart, whereas a creepy child isn't necessarily psychopathic or evil. Mm. Uh, so those are the clear differences between them. But I guess... You can see why, like, maybe they all just kind of get clumped together into the same trope. What are some reasons why you think, like, they kind of mix together, Abby? I think a lot of it has to do with, and this is not to, like, be on a high horse or anything like that because I'm a parent, but I think you're able to kind of tell the difference when you are a parent. Like, you mm. kind of have a sense of, like, oh, that's just kind of how that, that kid is, like, they're, they're a little different, like they're a little bit strange, but they're harmless. And then you can definitely tell like when a kid is not great. <laughs> like anyone with 
school age children i think like if you go and pick your kid up from daycare you're kind of easily able to tell like who is a little bit of a troublemaker and who like has a really really hard time being around other kids because they just either come from really traumatized houses like their home life is not great or they're just like you know they're kind of like a trickster or like a troublemaker for some people they just can't tell the difference so they see like any inkling of rebellion or testing boundaries and they're like oh that kid is bad <laughs> right or this the child is normally neurodivergent or yes. they're yep. just trying to like catch up quote unquote to what is the right. norm for child development we talk right. about this in the espresso shot episode that is on patreon so go listen if you want to hear some extra content from us but sometimes your kid uh makes noises because they're not sure how to do it the correct way <laughs> Right. right, right. I won't go so into detail. If you want to hear what I mean, what I mean, go to Patreon and listen there. But um, yes. some kids like make scary noises or do scary things because they're still like learning how to how how to speak and how to express themselves, and they don't quite know yet. And it borders on like ableism almost yes. when you yes uh judge kids for making weird noises you know yes i mean yes. it's a it's a slippery slope and uh unfortunately as good as horror is for a lot of things sometimes it can create harmful stereotypes especially for children yeah so what are the origins and inspirations for these tropes? Well, ghost children are seen in fairy tales and folklore quite often. Uh, one of my favorites is the grim fairy tale, The Juniper Tree. Uh, we talked a little bit about The Juniper Tree when we did our episode with Kate motherfucking Scully on Gretel and Hansel, um, because a lot of well, part of the poem that's in the juniper tree is in that film, so we do discuss it. But the history of creepy children and the enfant terrible are a bit, like, harder to track down. Again, it could be based on our experiences in real life, but we'll get into that. Yep. <laughs> I don't think you can really pin down the first creepy kid in horror ever, but it's easy to find creepy children throughout Gothic and Victorian literature. Charles Dickinson's A Christmas Carol, which was published in 1843, um, that describes ignorance and want as two starved, sunken-eyed children. I oh, mean, God. hell, you could even say Tiny Tim was a creepy child due to his maturity and closeness to death. <laughs> like, yeah. And if you've never uh, read uh, A Christmas Carol or seen certain film adaptations of it, because um, their ignorance and want are not always in the film adaptations to A Christmas Carol, because it is very scary. And A Christmas Carol has always been a scary story, but it has sort of morphed into something more family friendly uh, because it centers around a family friendly holiday. If you don't know, like, ignorance and want are, like, representations of 
exactly what their names are and they live under the ghost of christmas presents robe so like yeah. even though the ghost of christmas present is joyful and happy you know like jovial a uh, character he always carries around ignorance and want because that is man quote unquote humans right man's children and they're always there they're always present especially around right christmas time like ignorance and want are always there even when everything is very happy and jovial so it's very scary it's very like oh like kind of like upsetting in a way as well yes the fact that it's two like i said like starved sunken-eyed children living under this basically the santa claus's um robe i mean there's a lot of horror in that and then like i said tiny tim who is also very who's starved and sunken-eyed he is dying and he is so okay it's like he's okay with death and as an adult seeing a child who is knows that he's dying and knows that if everything is going to be okay like you think how can a child even consider all of that there's also henry james's novella the turn of the screw that was published in 1898 and <laughs> in that book i'm sorry i'm uh -huh. laughing because that book scares the crap out of me <laughs> oh my God. Um, and i want to talk about the movie version um the um the innocence so badly someday but that book was published in 1898 so some years after a christmas carol but that book hosts two very creepy children who see and speak to ghosts maybe <laughs> oh again yeah it's like what is going on and i think that like unknown part of it like the unknown surrounding creepy children is what mm -hmm. really gets us so let's go and figure out where the origins of the enfant terrible are what what those are the unfunt terrible unfortunately is something that feels a bit more real like children are just as capable of evil deeds as adults are and this is obviously terrifying in fictional media because more so than the harmless creepy kids and the unproven ghost children we know that the unfunt terrible is true in reality so for some examples there's the slender man stabbing in wisconsin there was also the sakakibara sito incident in japan there's the school shootings that happen on a daily basis here in the states true crime stories of parricide and siblicide like these are all occurrences where children or young adults have committed heinous crimes mm. and I think the reason we think children are so scary comes from them not having fully developed brains so their reasoning for their crimes feels misguided immature and kind of innocent in a weird yeah. way yeah. like there also might be a sense of guilt we feel as adults like maybe we feel like we haven't done enough to make them not be so terrible <laughs> mm. Like Stephen King published a book called Rage uh, under the pseudonym Richard Bachman in 1977. 
And it's about a teenager who kills his teacher and turns the other kids in the classroom against one other kid who has like a similar background as the killer teen, but he's not as violent or evil. And the book has been proven to be associated with several school shootings that happened in the 1980s and 90s. Stephen King allowed the book to fall out of print officially in 1998. Whoa. Yeah. And in uh, 2013, Stephen King wrote an anti-violence essay simply called Guns, in which he mentions that his book, Rage, didn't 100% cause the kids who committed the shootings to do what they did, but instead... It was like a mix of neglect and abuse from the parents and the kids, quote, found something in my book that spoke to them because they were already broken. And you don't leave a can of gasoline where a boy with firebug tendencies can lay hands on it, unquote. Firebug. <laughs> I know. It's like, why did you make that sound so cute? Really, Stephen? I know. I know. <laughs> wow. That is so so interesting but really really good point by Stephen King I know that we talk about it in many of our episodes but you know there is there's so many layers to why kids turn out that way and you can look to psychology you can look to their environment you can look to genetic factors there's a lot of different things but like at the end of the day they are tiny humans that you know are sometimes capable of bad things so right i mean i think i know like around the internet there was like these uh videos and i know when i took psychology classes in college and i'm i'm almost positive you've seen this video as well but it's the video of i think her name is beth thomas the six-year-old who um was interviewed by a child psychologist are you talking about child of rage yes child of rage yeah And how everyone was talking about how this kid is a psycho, this kid doesn't know, like, what's going on with her, blah, 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 like, she's dangerous and stuff. And it's like, really, we're going to blame this victim, this child? Like, she was abused by her father and, like, you know, and it's just like, there's also this, again, this fine line of how far are we going to go to blame children for what they do like i i mean yeah like if you're a certain age it's like okay like something might be wrong you know but like i feel like if you're like if you're six years old and you've grown up in hell of course Mm -hmm. your brain is gonna be all over the place i think that that girl was misunderstood obviously she went through a lot and was she dangerous? Sure. She killed animals and hurt animals. Yes, she was dangerous. Yeah. But why was she dangerous? Like, wh- are we are we focusing on the right thing here? <laughs> like, you know? No, we aren't. And I think I think that a lot of people don't realize that in all of my studies and what I have read and learned about children and their development is these things don't just happen out of thin air there is usually a reason for it there's usually a trauma or something in their background that kind of ignites that flame in them 
And I think once we start kind of thinking about that differently, we can prevent a lot of really awful things happening in the future. Like if you start by looking at this child who has gone through these traumas, they're able to be kind of rehabilitated instead of like going on this path of like continuing the cycle of abuse and stuff like that. I know I'm getting like on my soapbox about how you kind of have to treat it at the source, but it's true. Like violent adults usually, not usually, but sometimes are violent children. And if you can kind of pick up on that and see that happening, like you might be able to, you know, stop someone from committing violent crimes or, you know, becoming a school shooter or whatnot. Like there are so many things that we can do to kind of help that situation and prevent it. But no, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that, like I said, like a lot of, um, a lot of the things that we see in reality affect what is put on to screen in media and you know are there kids that are bad seeds you know i mean we don't know you know i mean i guess maybe we do with science and stuff i don't know but it's like i'm i'm sure one day we will do an episode on the bad seed because i think that that is an excellent um discussion on mm -hmm. if evil is you know, inherited or if it's learned behavior or if it's both, you know, I think you've said before in episodes, nature versus nurture, it's more like nature and nurture work together. Yes. Um, yep, yep. But again, we'll talk more about that in a future episode, probably talking about the bad seed because that's a great story. But I know you have some examples of like creepy kid stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, something interesting and, um, slightly horror themed not really like the scarlet letter doesn't really fall into the horror category there are scary parts of the book but um it makes me think of the character pearl in nathaniel hawthorne's scarlet letter because pearl is a very creepy child <laughs> like yes she is that's a good observation i haven't read that book in forever but that yes she is absolutely a creepy child trope yeah, I mean, Pearl is a very creepy child. Like, she has premonitions, and she's, like, kind of oddly threatening to the adults around her. <laughs> right. And I love her because of that. But I think that, you know, part of this perception that, like, children are innocent and, like, they don't know a lot the thing about it is that like kids are actually so fucking smart because they are programmed to be smart because they are when they hit a certain age they are programmed for survival so kids have these really strong neural networks because they are constantly growing and they have a lot to learn in a really short amount of time so that they can survive so What's interesting about this concept is that, like, kids know so much more than we think that they do, and that's frightening to adults. Like, you expect children to kind of, because of the way our culture has worked for so long and a lot of the restrictions that are put upon kids, like, it's very off-putting for adults when they're kind of, quote-unquote, like, shown up. By children, but 
they see the world so clearly despite not having been around for very long and it's incredibly off-putting for adults who think that they like know more or they know better like i don't always think that's the case obviously adults are you know they're more efficient and they have street smarts and you know we've like been around the block a couple of times so we know a little bit more than kids do but kids only know emotions because that's what they're focused on at the moment like they're learning how to kind of navigate all of those things so mm. i mean maybe i'm way off here but as a parent i've noticed that like my sons pick up more on my emotions than i do sometimes like one the other day yes 100 percent. yeah like i mean the other day my oldest <laughs> asked me if i needed a snack because <laughs> like really tired and grumpy and i was like what the fuck <laughs> but yeah like kids are so clever so it makes it extra creepy when they're like planning murder i guess you know like if you think about it <laughs> kids are watching you day in and day out like they know your patterns they know what you do and they can pick up on certain things so that kind of makes them the perfect murderer honestly you know um kids are very empathic they they yes. like you said yep. like they i actually just had a conversation with my therapist about this because my son was having a really tough day and i was so mad that he was having a tough day and i was having a hard time regulating my emotions and so throughout mm -hmm. the day it was very much like it was like me and and if the it was like the Babadook. It was like the my house. It was like the Babadook. And why can't you just be normal? <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> it was it was a struggle. It was the dynamic between us was intense. And I was talking to her about it, and she was like, she was like, okay. She was, do you know why he was feeling that way? And I was like, I don't know, because he's three. You know, I was like so upset. Yeah. And she was like, well, how were you feeling? And I was like, oh man, like I was also feeling not great that day. And so I was, because I was unable to regulate my emotions, I was not able to help him regulate his emotions. Right. So we were both like at a standstill when it came to like figuring out our feelings that day and you know as adults we have the emotional intelligence to regulate our emotions um right. but a lot of us did not learn how to do that until too late or much later in our lives so mm. kids don't really have that emotional intelligence to regulate their own emotions but they have the emotional intelligence to feel what others are feeling and yes kids are sponges they are sponges to other people's feelings they are sponges to other people's um words that's why kids like repeat things that you say because if mm -hmm. they hear it they know it they'll say it and um i think that i i wonder if one of the reasons why creepy children are so creepy um is because adults feel like they've lost control yeah and there's almost like a weird power dynamic that might even seem a bit unhealthy yes. um the fact that well wait a minute we're supposed to be able to control children uh, and then right. i can't control this child and so they're creepy to me 
you know so i think that there is a weird and unhealthy power dynamic and how adults see children well there's also that concept too for people who um sort of believe in that sort of spiritual aspect of um like childhood and stuff children are brand new to the world but they are closer than ever to like what the other side might be like yes i think brand we've new talked children. about this before yeah yes yes brand new children and people who are very close to death kind of have that very very uh intuitive i don't know it's hard to describe but they it's almost like they know something that we don't because we are so far away from that point on our timeline like in our lifetime <laughs> right that, like, yeah maybe kids understand something that we don't like maybe that's why kids see ghosts more or like they feel the presence of like dead people more you know like I think that scares the shit out of us as adults. I am inclined to agree with you because um, I used to say this, and I think I've said this in episodes before, but when my son was an infant, he would always look right over my shoulder and he would giggle or smile. Yeah. Or yeah. he would sometimes look into closets and giggle and yes. smile. And yep. I'm like, why are you doing that? <laughs> What's You're going like, on what here? The fucking heck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to say he sees fairies. I used to say that because that makes me less scared than him seeing ghosts. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even though yep. fairies are 100%. kind of little shit. Yeah, but oh, um God. he would say I would say, Oh, he see he sees fairies. He sees fairies over my shoulder. And I and I I mean, speaking of fairies, you know, it's that is a very like Peter Pan, you know, J.M. Barry type thing where it's like children are so connected to the magic and wonder and and uh, just the the intense like fear maybe that is in the world that they're able to do things like fly. They're able to do things that adults can't do because like you said, we are so disconnected from the magic of childhood. Yes. Yeah. Maybe kids kids are creepy to us because they like you said they know things that maybe we don't know anymore um yeah yeah i think that that is uh it's an interesting way to look at creepy children now when you and maybe the enfant terrible when you watch yeah uh movies <laughs> and you think well is this kid <laughs> for creepy children is this kid just still connected to the magic world um and the the hauntings of the magic world or mm -hmm. you know are they really a creepy kid and then with yeah. the terrible child are they born evil or were they made evil yeah right so it's definitely <gasps> a good way to look at it yes Ooh. <laughs> Well, hey, that's it for this month's Coffee Break episode. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there and stay away from creepy kids unless they are your own, in which I am sorry to say they need you. Please give them hugs and kisses and chicken nuggies. <laughs> <laughs> that yes, will maybe help feed them. the creepers. Yes, feed the creeps. <laughs> we love you all to death. Have a good morning. Bye.